Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of M365 Voice. My name is Sarah Hazi. And I am Mike Manarani. And I'm Antonio Maya. And today we thought that we would bring you a little bit of a different or a special topic episode. We're going to talk about um, some areas within the M365 suite that we want to invest more in or learn more about or do more with in 2023. So it's sort of a modified New Year's resolutions for M365. Where we want to spend time learning in 2023 or working with customers on in 2023. Right. Yes. So round robin style. So who wants to lead us off? Uh, I can start. Okay. Okay. All right. So in 2023, I would like to um, invest a lot more time and energy into Microsoft Syntax. So we've done uh, a number of projects in Syntax already, but uh, I think we'd like to dive deeper into it. Uh, we've got a couple of really big projects coming up, and I'd like to figure out how we roll out Syntax at scale, right? And when we when we talk about Syntax, we we're talking about using either document understanding models or form processing models. And, and the names of those have evolved recently, so they're named differently. And there's some other models that have been introduced as well. But using those machine learning models to understand types of documents, um, classify those documents, apply sensitivity label, apply a retention label, and then extract metadata and use that to drive business process, right? That's kind of how we look at mm -hmm. it. But that often requires doing it a document type at a time. Right. So if I've got contracts. I'm going to go teach my mo a model on how to interpret contracts and do all that appropriate contracts. If I have NDAs, I'm going to do that for NDAs. If I've got employment agreements, I'm going to do that with employment agreements. But I want to figure out how to do that at scale. So if I have a customer that has 300 different forms, for example, how do we roll that out without taking three years, for example? So I like to invest more time. I and our team, we're going to invest more time in um, learning more about Syntex. There are some great new features that were introduced recently. And then how do we actually roll it out at scale on large customer environments? I really like that one. And I think we're all going to see more in terms of more larger and organization-wide adoption of Syntex. So instead of looking at it as a solution that is very much deploy the solution for this need inside an org and this solution for this specific need inside an org how can you deploy it at more scale um so um across more content for a more diverse set of needs uh, i think we're going to learn a lot more about how syntax can be used in that kind of a manner in 2023 so i like that one yeah exactly i have one of my goals is to similar to yours as well antonio because I've done a couple of POCs on the on the, on the Microsoft syntax, but again, small small scale, uh, nothing too big. Uh, I've always thought of the ideas of how you can take Microsoft syntax from a document understanding or form processing and scale it out to the number of documents or or the, the dozens of documents that organizations have or dozens of forms that the organizations have and the thousands of document libraries they have and how you can scale that into the thousands and thousands of document libraries that you're going to have to deploy to it. Yeah, exactly. So this is one of the things I'm going to be investing into learning and see how we can do that through automations, through PowerShells, through yeah. syntax. Yeah. It'll be interesting. 
Well, we've got some great new capabilities that were announced for Syntex that we're supposed to be seeing in 2023. Like um, there's a new pricing model. So a consumption-based pricing model that's been announced, which is is really exciting, right? It means you don't have to buy a per user per month license anymore. It's more about how many um, how many documents do you process, for example, and pay on that basis, which feels like it makes sense to do it that way. Um, mm -hmm. Another feature that was announced is archiving. So to be able to archive your sites or your content right within SharePoint, and that's going to be part of Syntex as well. So uh, love the idea of being able to use it for those types of capabilities instead of having to go to a third-party tool for some of those, for example. Yeah, love it. Mike, do you have one? Um, one of the areas that I haven't actually paid a lot of attention is the Microsoft Viva products or suites. Uh, I've only done the connections. I've done it also just a handful. Um, insight is insight, but I want to really focus on the growth on the Viva, Viva topics, uh, which I have not touched at all. Uh, something that I want to go and start deploying with, with a couple of clients I have in mind. Uh, start investing into learning it more and getting to deploy it and how we can relate that with Microsoft Search. Um, and if there is an opportunity to do Viva sales, uh, I don't see anything in the horizons that will do a real life scenario with Viva sales. But if it's not, then something on my own, I'm going to have to go and learn that and start playing around with it. Uh, but that's something that on the Viva side, I have not done much other than collections. I think that's another really good one. Um, Viva Amplify is one that I know I'm very interested in getting involved in from a Viva Suite perspective, which is um, Viva Amplify will help you build and publish and then track the success of communication campaigns. So being able to write content once and simultaneously publish it right. to multiple locations like SharePoint or Viva Engage or Teams mm -hmm. or elsewhere, um, I'm really interested in trying out Viva Amplify. That's cool. I was about to ask you, what is Viva Amplify? Um, mm -hmm. That's great. That sounds really cool. There's so much goodness inside the Viva Suite, I would agree. Um, and Viva exactly. Goals, from an OKR yeah. perspective, I don't know if either of you have looked at that one, but within the Viva oh, Suite, I would think that that one would be very interesting. Mike, do you have a favorite Viva module? Uh, well, I can, see, I can say connection because that's the only one I've played around with it. So that's the only favorite I have right now until I start working with others. And I think topics, I would really like topics because I've, I've worked a lot with Microsoft Search. So topics would be something for, of an interest for me. So I have one, and we've actually touched on this uh, in previous episodes, but uh, I am a big I do a lot to track my own task deliveries, both from a personal perspective and from a work perspective. I've been using Microsoft or Outlook tasks for years and years and years to be able to track uh, my tasks. And um, in the past week, I've really been trying out as I've had a little bit more time around the holidays, I've been trying out to do Microsoft to do and seeing how it works. And because I have so many Outlook tasks today, you can pull up to do and those Outlook tasks will show up there. And I've been trying to leverage to do more during the day and figuring out the interesting intricacies of how it works with your Outlook tasks and how it doesn't and trying to see if I can convert myself into really using the to do app 
holistically um, for task management. I'm not sure how successful I'm going to be, but I'm giving it a try. Sarah, when I first tried to do, like you just kind of said, it surfaced my Outlook tasks. I use Outlook tasks a lot too. Um, and it still does that, but it does it only surface Outlook tasks or can you create tasks in it that don't show up in Outlook tasks? Uh, well, you can create tasks and to do, and I believe that those are then supposed to show up in your Outlook. Um, I believe that that's the design. And there are features of to do that I really like. Like one feature I've been trying out this week um, is creating a list in Microsoft to do where I can group a set of tasks together around a project or a particular effort. And that's been that's nice. great. I love that. I love the view within to do. The challenge is some of the things that I'm just used to about how Outlook tasks work that I'm having trouble making or understanding how to do works with those things. So one of the things that we've talked about before is that I have a color coded calendar. Um, so I have my uh, Outlook calendar and all of my tasks color coded. So I know what tasks are related to uh, executive reporting needs versus training delivery versus project work. Um, I'm having trouble in to do being able to see my color categorization and be able to translate it back and forth between Outlook and To-Do. Now that could be that I just haven't figured out all of the ins and outs of how that works yet, but that's a key thing for me. Um, the other thing is that sometimes I'm losing my tasks. So if I work ahead in To-Do and I complete a task today that wasn't assigned to myself to be due today, when I go to my Outlook tasks view, I'm not seeing that task show up completed under today. And that behavior is different in to-do than it is in Outlook tasks. So I'm just, at this point, I'm still trying to figure out how to operationally live in both and see if I can convert myself to being a to-do user. So I'm gonna try and do that in 2023. I like that. Um, that's, I, I have similar feelings about to-do because I'm so used to, about, to doing everything in Outlook. I have not forced myself to go into the to-do world and adopt it as much as I thought I would, um, just because I'm so into the Outlook task only. But uh, I like that. I like what you're planning to do. And I don't know, Outlook tasks, the functionality hasn't really evolved a lot no. since 2007, mm -hmm. meaning my way of thinking about what a task should do probably is born out of whatever Outlook does, I expect to be the normal way of things. That doesn't mean that to-do should work that way. That's just my expectation. But there is nothing better than clicking complete on a task in to-do and it gives you the little ding. Yeah. I love the little, I love yeah. the little ding sound. Oh my gosh, it's addictive. So that alone is helping spur me forward. Yeah, I kind of feel similarly. I tried to do it, and uh, as soon as I ran into the first things that didn't work, like at look at tasks, kind of that ah, this isn't going to really work for me. Um, like one of the main things was in Outlook tasks, I order my tasks. Like I don't do it by date. I literally move them up and down the the highest priority tasks at the top, lower priority at the bottom, and I kind of you know that that order is changing every day as priorities change. But that's kind of how I work from the top down. And in to-do, it doesn't reflect that same order. So the order gets lost when those tasks show up in to-do. And I immediately thought, ah, this isn't going to work for me. 
but um, maybe thinking about them differently is a, um, a good thing to try. We'll see what happens. We'll see how long that lasts, because as soon as things get busy after the new year, we'll see if I can exactly. hang on with enough dedication to give it a try. Okay. Do we have any others? Um, for me, I have another goal is to get more in depth with with Power Apps. I've built Power Apps before, but it was was okay. It was more data source in statement list, just going and customizing the form there and just doing some little some little fancy things. Nothing nothing too too fancy. But I want to get into that into more depth, building more apps with power apps and invest a little bit into the, the dataverse side as well. So start building the power apps, the dataverse and Microsoft Teams. Um, and uh, there is few few opportunities for me to kind of actually do some real life scenarios. So uh, it's taken a while for me to get into because I like to be like the expert in that as well. Uh, so uh, I'm like eh, okay with that. So something that I want to invest a little bit more in the next uh, next twelve months. See where that takes me. I think that's a good one. It's a little bit um, I have a. Uh, Sometimes it can hard, be hard for me to invest enough body of time to be able to feel like I have a sufficient working knowledge of something to be able to leverage it. And I think Power Apps is one of those that I think it, I feel like it would take a little bit of time to be able to dig in enough to have a level of competency to feel comfortable. Down with Power Apps and Power Automate when I was working, it's been a little while since I've worked with them, but when I was, it was really easy to build some some really easy things, some simple things, and then you hit this plateau, and and that getting past that plateau requires a real investment into things like how expressions work and a lot more of the technical capabilities. But but that was a serious lift to get past that. Mm -hmm. um, once you do, it's great. But but it was like, okay, fine, I'll dig in and I'll learn this thing, and it took weeks. To figure out some of that but um, once I did then it was you know off to the races yeah and that's where I am right now is just the plateau of you know this is I want to take it to the next level yeah and without really investing quite a bit of time in it you you it will fall off the table like you yeah. say okay I'm gonna do it and then you get busy but I think I have the opportunity to kind of implement it in a in a project so that's where I'm gonna looking forward to to take it to that next level Oh, Sarah, do you have any others? I do. Um, I've used um, lists, SharePoint lists for many years, more than I will say. Um, but I, I have a desire both from a work perspective and a personal perspective to dive more into using Microsoft lists and to really um, testing out and experimenting more with some of the capabilities in terms of some of the formatting that you can do with Microsoft lists. So one example would be I use Excel today to be able to track like where I've submitted sessions to in terms of user groups or conferences or um, community events. I'd like to convert that from Excel over to Microsoft Lists and be able to leverage that. And it's a question of having the time to invest in moving some of my data over to Microsoft Lists and then making it beautiful. Uh, and making it more enriching based on all of the things that you can do with lists from a formatting and a usage perspective. 
Nice. I love lists. Yes, that's, that's a good good one. Um, yeah, we've all worked with lists for almost a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. They've really yeah. come into their own in yeah. the last couple of years, though, right? Like with list formatting, like column okay. formatting and row formatting and Microsoft list kind of getting its own um, you know, its own icon and getting a lot more prominence and getting some templates, modern templates. I think it's really come into its own just in the last couple yeah. of years, right? Before that, yeah, they were great and they were lists and they're almost like a fancy Excel spreadsheet, if you will. Um, but it, there's a lot more you can do with them now. Yeah. For sure. So for me, another one, I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out on security, you know, because I never do that for just a second. Um, uh, for me, one thing I'd like to spend some time on in 2023 is. Uh, spend some more time specifically with a feature in Microsoft Defender, and that's the advanced hunting feature, where um, once you have Defender set up, in particular Defender for Identity, Defender for um, Endpoint, um, Defender for Cloud Apps, um, you've got this advanced hunting feature that allows you to create queries, Kusto queries, where you are looking for evidence of attacks or exploits in your environment. And that's just a feature I haven't spent enough time with, unfortunately. And it's it's quite a big lift to do that because like it's not easy to set up an environment where you're going to test and learn where you know you want to execute certain attacks and then actually go try to find them using advanced hunting and mitigate them, right? Put in place measures to stop them. So just setting up the environment for that is 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 a lot of work. Uh, but there is um, a great GitHub repo that has um, specific uh, advanced hunting queries that you can use for specific attacks. And there's people <laughs> in the community that continually keep that that GitHub repo up to date with with queries. So that's an area that I'd like to uh, learn more about and figure out um, how those queries work, what you know uh, templated queries are are already out there as they relate to certain types of attacks. And then learn how to build my own queries and what the syntax around that is. And then, you know, once you we found an attack, a particular exploit, what do you do to actually mitigate that and stop it? So that's an area that I'd like to spend some time. That's pretty cool. I did not know that it existed. Oh it's yeah. Much time I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a very cool feature. Um, something that there are other third-party tools out there that do that, but not nearly as integrated as what Microsoft has, right? Because when you've got all the defenders rolled out. So when you roll out Defender for O365, Defender Endpoint, Defender for Identity, Defender for Cloud Apps, Defender for Cloud, um, all of that, those signals are coming into one place. And there's a lot of log data there that if you know what to look for, you can find evidence of certain exploits and attacks and vulnerabilities in your environment, um, which if you're experiencing, you know, if you're in the midst of experiencing an attack and everyone is in crisis mode, going in and be able to find the actual details of where the attack is happening is super, super valuable. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. That's an area I'd like to mess around with and learn more about. Any other final thoughts that you can think of? I feel like we listed off a bunch of things uh, from a product perspective in the M365 suite. Lots of goals for 2023. Yeah, no, I think I'm I'm good. If you if you, I list more, I don't think I will achieve them. Just given that, it's true. The, we get busy and time and conferences and everything else. Let's just for me like three is max. If I do more, it'd be great. But let's set a good goal. Yeah, I'm gonna focus on two. I think at least 
start. I'm sure stuff will come up along the year. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we certainly hope that everyone else has areas that they want to invest in. It may be useful to think about that as you start 2023 of areas that you want to learn more about. It's always good to, I think, set those goals from a learning perspective and set aside time to be able to learn more about new features or new products. I think we just want to wish everyone a, a very happy new year and best wishes in 2023. Absolutely. All the best next year. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great 2023. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.